Stealthy Smart has one of those jobs that I dreamed of as a child. A successful actor in New Zealand and Germany, splitting her time between both, brushing up with Germany's version of the Hollywood elite, presenting on television, voicing productions, winning awards for screenplays, and in the quiet moments, revitalising a coastal wetland in New Zealand with the help of the local council. Dulcie, <laughs> welcome to Awesome. We've had a number of very good speakers so far, but I'm very stoked that we have you as a guest today. Seeing as, Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes, seeing as your voice is designed for this kind of thing. <laughs> have you done a podcast before, actually? No, no. I've never done an actual podcast. So it's a okay. completely new experience, but I've done interviews before. Yeah. And of course, I work behind a microphone very, very, very often. So that's not frightening to me. Although usually I'm reading somebody else's text in the work that I do behind a microphone, rather than speaking spontaneously as okay. I am with you. I see, I see. I was doing a bit of background stalking on your IMDb. Did I see that you were in V for Vendetta? Oh, well, if you watch the film, you will probably miss me. But if you blink, <laughs> if you blink you'll miss me. Yes, as an actor in Germany, of course, it's restrictive because of the language. I'm always a foreigner. Mm. I speak German with a foreign accent. Mm. So my options are, is somebody needing an English-speaking role or a role in German with an accent? Mm. Or is an international film coming into Berlin and shooting here? Mm -hmm. And usually they bring all of the major parts and just pick up tiny roles. Mm -hmm. So in V for Vendetta, I play a newsreader on a screen. It was very unrewarding, financially very well paid, <laughs> surprisingly well paid for such a tiny role. But in terms of acting, it was, uh, you know, not very interesting. But there was another international film, just add this story in, where I again had tiny roles, and that's a film called Cloud Atlas, mm. which is a cult film. It didn't get very good reviews, but it's got a huge cult mm -hmm. following it based on a book, and it tells a series of interwoven stories, very complex, and the lead actors play several different roles, so they're in disguise. I had three days work on that film and indeed play two different roles. Mm -hmm. It's uh, directed by Tom Tikwa, who's a very famous German director. At the moment, there's a series called Babylon Berlin that's mm. internationally successful. And also the Wachowskis, the siblings who made Matrix. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they were just transitioning from being brothers to being one brother and one sister, mm -hmm. and now they are both sisters. Mm -hmm. Now they are the Wachowski sisters. Anyway, so working on that film, although there were small roles, it was a fantastic experience, partly because I met Tom Hanks, oh Susan God. Sarandon, Whoa. Halle Berry. A whole, a whole range of top actors mm -hmm. were in this film, and I worked with them and found... They were real people mm. who looked me in the eye. Susan Sarandon talked about how it was having a, having a lover who was from a different country and spoke in a different language. Okay. She sort of connected with me over mm -hmm. that. Seeing them as actors doing their craft rather than as some sort of stars mm. was really helpful experience mm. to me, even though, you know, as an actor, the result in the film is still quite small. Mm. Yeah, wow. Just on the topic of 
actors who can speak German but with a foreign accent. What types of productions have you been in in that role? I had a period back, I suppose, after I'd been in Germany about five or six years, I'd learned enough German mm. that I could start to try and work as an actor here. Right. So I had a period of a few years where I worked in TV and I was in Germany's longest-running soap opera called Lindenstrasse. I played an Irish arsonist who had an affair with the lead woman's husband, so she was a bit of a baddie. Mm-hmm. Once when I was, um, during that time, when I was coming in from England and they controlled my passport at the border, the woman looked at me and she said, I know you. <laughs> one of those one of those actors' experiences. But she was, you know, she was immediately sort of suspicious because I was this baddie. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, but th- 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 that was for me quite a, an interesting experience because... Um, yeah, being recognised. Being recognised <laughs> in Germany. Mm. Because back in Wellington, Wellington's a small city and mm-hmm. when I was working as an actor there, people who came to the theatre, they knew who I was Mm -hmm. and you sort of feel oh yeah this is my identity Mm -hmm. and then in Germany you're sort of lost in this Mm -hmm. great sea of German actors Mm -hmm. German-speaking actors and so to get that wee bit of recognition was great yeah Yeah. and at that time in that time where I worked for television I, I played really a very nice range of roles sort of posh English women and Americans and an Australian had a, a writer who wrote a role for me as an Australian archaeologist <laughs> in, a, in a comedy called Balco. But it's not that kind of work. You're always the foreigner. It's not all that satisfactory mm. for what I, why I am interested in, in acting. Mm. The films that I've shot recently, two German films, mm. one's coming out right at the end of September, so very, very soon. And that's a film called Nö, mm. which means nope in English. It's directed by uh, Dietrich Brueggemann, who has won a silver bear at the Berlinale a few years ago. And he wrote it together with his sister, Anna, who plays the lead character. It's a film about a couple in a relationship that's not really committed and it takes place over something like seven years and it's the film itself is made up of 15 scenes each scene is filmed in one shot so no editing just the camera is turned on at the beginning of the scene and turned off at the end of the scene and I have a whole scene of 15 minutes where I talk the entire time oh my gosh (laughs) so yeah in that I play a an acting coach Mm -hmm. and the lead actress comes to try and get back into her profession after she hasn't been working for a while. She's gone to a workshop to sharpen her skills. That was very interesting to film because it's 15 minutes long. I've got 15 minutes of me talking with a few lines from the lead actress. There are 40 extras playing the rest of the drama class. There's the cameraman, the director, the focus puller for the camera, Mm. the sound team who are all with this handheld Mm -hmm. camera, they're all moving as a team. So it had to be very carefully choreographed Mm. for this 15 minutes. So I had to be really well prepared that I didn't lose my lines. We did rehearse together, rehearse with the camera, but then they, of course, shot it in one take and 
shot it again and again and again and again. And, Something uh, <laughs> oh, well, it's It's exhausting, but it's also incredibly stimulating, mm. something like that. So th- that was a lovely role, but I have done that in English mm. and the rest of the film is in German, but mm. because I was playing a visiting acting Right, project. okay. And I know that you're a bit of an expert in accents and can kind of take on roles based on that, but have you ever been sought out for your Kiwi accent? Or have you had any troubles with it? <laughs> the Kiwi accent is not really very, very much desired. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> no, we have to have more Kiwi characters. <laughs> but they somehow don't think of writing that. Uh, no, very, 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 almost never, I would, I would say. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> but I long to go back and work in New Zealand and work in my own voice, even though my own voice has changed by being in Germany. Yeah. Last year, I shot a film called, uh, in English it's called Headshots, and in German it's called Bilderkriegerin, which kind of means picture fighter. It's mm. a kind of putting together of two German words, but it's the true story of a German photojournalist called Anja Niedringhaus, who was shot dead in 2014. Mm. So it's a kind of biopic about this very, very interesting and enormously talented German photographer, brave woman. When she was shot dead in the real-life story, with her was her very close friend and colleague, Cathy Gannon, who's a Canadian correspondent for Associated Press. Mm. And I play this Cathy Gannon, Mm. this real person real Canadian. So why I've started talking about this is because I had to really learn the specific Canadian Mm. accent Mm. to try and I didn't have to be exactly like her. It's not like playing Jackie Kennedy or or, or the Queen or something like that where everybody has an idea of Mm. who this person is. But I wanted to do her justice. I wanted to honour her because the more I researched who she was, the more impressed I was with the kind of work, especially now mm. when you think of Afghanistan mm. and what's happening right now, the work of those two women in trying to show the lives of ordinary people in Afghanistan and how affected they've been for generations by different countries coming and wanting to interfere or creating conflict. And these women want to just show they're as human as you and I. Mm. Their needs have to be taken into account just as much or more than geopolitical interests. Mm. Although it's a supporting role in the film, it's, it's a relatively small role that comes at the end of the film. It was so exciting for me to mm. learn about that kind of a woman and that kind of a situation and then such fun shooting it. Mm. Yeah, with Antje Trauer, who's quite a famous German actress, playing Anja Niedringhaus and riding around in old cars and a quarry and in East Germany that was supposed to represent Afghanistan because, of course, it was COVID times mm. and we couldn't, we couldn't go on location. Originally, we were going to shoot it in Greece or Mallorca, but, yeah, because of COVID, mm. we couldn't mm. fly. That sounds like a really special project and kind of brings me to the topic of journalism because you do voice acting, acting and you work for Deutsche Welle. I was wondering if you could maybe explain a bit about what Deutsche Welle 
is for yeah. perhaps our New Zealand audience that doesn't really know? Yeah. Deutsche Welle is, I suppose, the German equivalent of BBC World or a bit like CNN International or mm -hmm. Al Jazeera. It's an international broadcaster also with big internet and social media coverage. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have to go in that direction now, but I work in the, in the TV news department there at the moment. I worked in culture some years ago, but now I work in news. So Deutsche Welle presents international news for people all around the world. And it's a tool of soft diplomacy. Mm. It tries to bring a German or European view of values and lifestyle, as well as connecting with the main news stories of the day mm. and with the people in the, the sort of target areas. Africa is a main target mm. area at the moment, but also Asia, India is a lot of focus. We have a lot of viewers in India. The reach is quite wide. It's shown on PBS. Part of, part of our coverage is shown on PBS in the US. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my, my money-earning money mm -hmm. job. That's yeah. been a very good sort of steady... I'm a freelancer there, but it's been a steady way of earning enough money. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really opened my eyes because I used to be the kind of person who wasn't interested in news mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. I was rather, no, I like novels and fiction and plays <laughs> and films. Give me the, give me the filtered version <laughs> of the world, not the real world. Well, now I understand that news is also filtered strongly, which stories are deemed important, how they're told. I feel very lucky that I somehow slipped into that job, mm. starting as just a voice, mm. not on air. And now I'm a producer of the news. And in between, I, I was a commentator on culture. And mm. so we'd go on air and talk about different people who died. I, or... I've watched those. <laughs> I've watched those clips on your website. They're really interesting. And I was wondering, watching them, gosh... Did you just know all of this about all of these characters or do they expect you to do your own research or do they have researchers that kind of script it up for you or how does it work? Um, you do your own research and sometimes if somebody has just died, mm. you have to do it very, very fast. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I, I know enough to know what direction I need to sort of check right. and I know what my angle is going to be because I have a strong personal interest. Mm -hmm. Occasionally you sort of know very little and then uh, you have to do a quick research job if it's somebody who died mm. if it's not you have a bit longer to try and find your own personal connection that then hopefully will connect with the viewers mm. because just spouting out a lot of facts mm. people can do that on wikipedia exactly yeah. mm. exactly yeah what have you sort of learned working in that kind of environment about what Germany or Germans value or what they, what kind of spin do they put on things? Yeah. So fortunately, so much of it aligns with my own value system. I think mm. that if I worked for Russia today, <laughs> Chinese national television, uh, international television, I would... I would uh, not be able to do the job at all. I would just like, uh, no, sorry, um, goodbye. <laughs> but Deutsche Welle is very strong on human rights. Mm. 
women's rights, gay rights, but human rights in general. It's very pro-democracy. And this comes through a lot in the choice of stories that we cover. It's so great when we have, if I'm putting a news program together and I, there are certain stories that have to be there because that's the news story of the day. And then there are other stories where I have an option of putting them in my show. They've been pre-prepared by somebody else. Women being empowered in societies where they have really traditionally done a lot of the work and not been given the recognition for it. So, you know, I'm talking about sort of in Africa initiatives where rural women who haven't earned much money uh, have now got a business set up Mm -hmm. or things like that. I can put them into my news show. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, it's somehow, it's inspiring to me seeing these women with completely different set of life circumstances, not nearly as privileged, I would say, as what I have been able to have. And it balances out Mm. the depressive, helpless feeling that you get when you watch so many stories about the problems with climate, Mm -hmm. the wars in the world. It can be easy to... The pandemic. Yeah, doom scrolling kind of... (sighs) attracting negative news and getting stuck in that cycle so yeah it's refreshing to to hear about some positive stories of yeah yeah, and we're encouraged to do that we're we're encouraged to put in a bit of an uplifting story Mm. or a funny a funny that's called a kicker when you put at the end of a news show something that will make people laugh or give them some beauty to look at or you know even just some surfers on a wave because there's been a surfing championship somewhere and you can put it up on the big, the huge video wall. You can have these surfers behind the anchor person. Oh, don't worry, there'll be a kicker at the end of this episode for sure. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you are extremely busy. And how do you fit it all in? What does sort of a typical day look like for Dulcie? Mm. Well, actually, it usually begins with the neighbour cat coming through our little gardens to my house to want to be brushed. (laughs) And as I'm a cat lover... It's very, very nice. She's a Norwegian um, forest cat with long silver fur, very pretty cat, and she doesn't get brushed much at home, so I give her a brush. When I'm working on a a role, when I have an acting role, I start work on that the minute I wake up. It's the first thing I do in the morning and the last thing I do at night. Do you mean getting into character? Well, I am in bed. I have the script. I have a pencil and a rubber, and I'm not learning lines. People always talk about actors and learning lines, and that is something that has to happen. But really what you do is you explore what is there in the script, what Mm -hmm. the writer has given you. And that's some words on a page, and you have to find all the life that lies beneath that. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of letting your imagination go and trying with character, exploring different voices. I did a, um, a one-woman show a couple of years back in Berlin called Blonde Poison, true story about a Jewish woman during the Second World War who worked for the Gestapo. So she betrayed other Jews to the Gestapo. The play itself is written by a very clever Jewish, South African, British playwright called Gail Lowe. So there's 90 minutes of text about this very complex Jewish woman and the story of why it explores psychologically Mm. how she came to the point where she started betraying people to save her own life and to save the lives of her 
parents who in the end were sent to Theresienstadt and Mm. then died, Mm. were disappeared. So something like that, which is very grim, it's got funny moments in it, but it's, it's a grim topic to explore. And in these early morning sessions and then late at night before sleep again, I would sometimes explore doing her in a silly cartoon voice mm-hmm. or doing her with a thick Scottish accent, something that is completely inappropriate mm-hmm. that you're never going to bring into the end result. But it gives you a sort of a freedom of perhaps finding something new. Mm. I think, yeah, people often think that acting is just learning the lines, don't they? And perhaps don't see all of the behind-the-scenes hours that go into to really finding your way into a character. Acting, there are so many different approaches to it, mm. and actors are the same as everybody else. They're just very different from each other. For me, it's that going in deep. It's that exploration of what it is to be a human. It's trying to find why somebody behaves the way that they do and then what makes them extraordinary because we don't want to just see ordinary people or boring people. We want to see, even in somebody who has a seemingly ordinary life, we want to see what makes this person worth watching. That kind of research and deep thinking that the writer has put in first, that the director is coming with, and that you as an actor contribute your own part to. To me, it's just deeply exciting. Mm. So this is why I do these three jobs. And your original question about my day, at the moment, my normal day is I probably will go and do an eight-hour, eight-and-a-half-hour shift at Deutsche Welle producing news, and I may or may not do a voice job before that, And then when I get the acting roles, then my life sort of, Mm. the focus shifts and that becomes full focus as much as I can and let the other things drop aside. It must be nice to have that kind of flexibility where you can sort of shift things around to... As a freelancer. And that's where Deutsche Welle is, as well as the huge stimulus that it gives in terms of the content and working in a newsroom with people from all over the world, Mm. bright lovely people of different ages, different nationalities, different interests, different politics. That's all extremely stimulating. But Deutsche Welle also makes it possible when you're a freelancer that if you can't work for three months, then it's no problem. After the three months is over, you come back. And do you have a favourite production or job that you've been involved in when you look back on your years in Germany? Yeah, I think every at the time when you work on a job, it's it's your favourite. <laughs> yeah. It's your favourite. Blonde Poison, the one-woman show I did, is the greatest amount of work I've ever had to do as an actor. It was a colossal. I worked for months and months and months preparing that, mm. researching, reading so many books about people who had survived, Jewish people who had survived the Holocaust, the books about what it was like, the lives in the camps, huge research. Mm. Anyway, that deeply affected me partly because of how much I had to put in it. Mm. So perhaps that is my Mm favourite. But really when I look back to the working in Wellington at 
Circa Theatre, which is still going, mm -hmm. at Downstage Theatre, which at the time had an ensemble and being in an acting on ensemble, being put into all kinds of different roles and working with the same group of people. This was marvellous, mm -hmm. a marvellous time in my life. And I still have very close contact with those New Zealand actors and directors mm -hmm. who I made friends with back then. So if it weren't for COVID, would you be doing any acting in New Zealand or just going home to visit? I would like to revitalise that. Mm. I hope that I'm remembered enough that the doors would open relatively easily because my heart yearns for New Zealand. Living in Germany is an incredible privilege. It's so wonderful to have got to know two cultures. Mm. And to anybody listening who has that opportunity to go and live for a while in another country, you might feel scared of the prospect because it really takes you out of your comfort zone, especially if it's another language that you don't know very well. It's incredibly enriching and it might be so hard. Mm. But the benefit of it, I can from my point of view, it's a great thing to do in your life if you have the chance. And so many people in the world never have the chance. When I was first in Germany, I lived in Kiel up north and I was very lonely and it was grey and dark and cold. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. And I would go to visit a New Zealand friend and her German husband in Hamburg relatively often. And once I was sitting in the bus on my way to the station to go to Hamburg and the woman next to me started a conversation, which is very unusual in Germany. It's, I'm used to it from Taranaki in New Zealand, but <laughs> very unusual in Germany. She saw my little suitcase and she asked me where I was going and I said to Hamburg, so this is now, it's about an hour's train journey. It's not far away. And she said, oh, I was in Hamburg once. It was lovely. <laughs> and I thought, my goodness, mm. this is what it used to be like in Germany mm. and still is for some people and what it's like for so many people around the world mm. that they don't have the option of travel. We New Zealanders we take it for granted. Many of us have been able to travel overseas. Of course, not everybody. There's great poverty mm. in New Zealand. But people within New Zealand would travel about mm -hmm. on, the, on the bus. Yeah. You know, you can go from Auckland to Wellington on the bus quite happily. This privilege of travel, perhaps we have to, with climate change, perhaps we will have to end that. And before that ends, I'll move back to New Zealand. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed for some kind of eco-fuel to enable us to get between the two. Yeah. But you're right. Mobility is something that we we take for granted for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially when it's bound up with your work. It, it no longer takes on such a pleasurable aspect, perhaps. But in reality, yeah, it opens our eyes to, to so much. And, yeah, living in Germany, you really... There are some similarities in the cultures, but there are other parts that are completely different. And I think people expect them to be sim more similar than they are simply because it's a European culture. But having lived here, both of us would know that that's not necessarily the case. And did you find that 
in New Zealand, we sort of take the Anglo-American culture as dominant. Mm. We take that for granted. Mm. And then you live in Germany and you realise that Germany has such a rich literary, artistic, Mm. musical heritage that there is, that becomes, of course, dominant here. Mm. Yeah. And we think, oh, Jane Austen, great, one of the greatest writers. But, of course, in Germany, she's a great British writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The great writers, maybe Goethe or Schiller. I've asked myself that question in the context of Deutsche Welle as well because, you know, a lot of their work's in English, if I'm not mistaken. And I wonder sometimes whether it would have perhaps less reach but more impact in terms of Germany standing up for the German language if it were to be in in German in terms of making it one day perhaps a a language that more people speak outside of this region but at the same time obviously they want to pitch themselves as a an international player alongside the likes of BBC and CNN Um, so you can understand the decision making but I do wonder whether or how Germany can continue to push German as a language worth learning. Um, and the Goethe Institute contributes massively to that abroad. Absolutely. I learnt I learnt German in the Goethe Institute in Wellington. Yes, so did it was I. a <laughs> fabulous experience Judith with Judith Gere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Judith Gere was an amazing teacher and I so enjoyed that. And that's one of the reasons I think that my heart opened towards Germany. Mm. Deutsche Welle, when I began there, the German language service was absolutely the king. Mm -hmm. It was all about German and the English department was small and we would adapt Mm. the German pieces. We didn't have any any autonomy at all, really. Mm. But that has changed because the need to connect with people Mm. um, means that English as an international language for many people, it's their main second language. Mm. Just the reach is, is far greater. German language service still exists. Many, many other languages are online. I think the fact that there's Germany, Austria, Switzerland, there are still millions and millions of people here for whom the German language and the German culture are, of course, their everyday life and their heritage. Mm. I remember in New Zealand as a teenager going and seeing German films in the film festival with subtitles and thinking, wow, you know, they think so differently. Mm. So I hope these differences still exist Mm. without that sort of wash of Hollywood making everything blandly similar. But I, I guess with the streaming services now, with the development of series for production, they go into niche, they go into different languages. It's that kind of specialisation is coming back. Mm, true, yeah. Babylon Berlin as well has had international reach. And Dark. Even my mum's watched it. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Dark, which and I dark. watched before moving. One of my One of my neighbour children was in the first series really? of Dark. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, we lucky enough that because of one of your jobs working as a, a voice actor for Museum Audio Guides, 
that we are able to um, give away two tickets to the Neue National Galerie here in Berlin, thanks to you and to the museum. So we will be giving those away on our social media when the podcast episode comes out. So uh, there will be a question attached to that so people who have listened can type in the answer and put themselves in the drawer to win those two tickets. And I understand you're going tomorrow. I'm going to the Neue National Galerie. They've just reopened it. It's a beautiful building uh, designed by the architect Mies van der Rohe. It's a fantastic modernist building, but it's been closed for years Mm. because of renovation Mm. work, and they've just reopened it with this new exhibition called The New Society. So it's art from 1900 to 1945, and there are famous works by Picasso and lots of German art as well. Yeah, and I voiced the audio guide if you want to listen to some explanations about the about the works in English, you can ask for an English language audio guide. And listen to your voice. <laughs> listen to listen to my voice. But I hope you don't listen to the voice. I hope you listen to what I'm saying. Of course, of course. That's what's important. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to go and make sure I get the audio guide so I can listen in and learn. But thanks so much for joining us, Dulcie. It's been a fantastic conversation. A great um, pleasure, Rose. Yeah. yeah. So, vielen Dank for those that have listened and uh, keep an eye out for our next episode. Yeah, auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss.